0: not spit it's condensation hello everybody and welcome to that's not spit it's condensation i'm ryan beach and on today's episode we have another installment of freeway philharmonic This series is dedicated toward interviewing musicians who have successful freelance careers and talking with them about how they made it happen. This episode will feature Will Baker. Will is a trombone player in the Bay Area near San Francisco, California. Will and I went to graduate school together at Northwestern University, and it's been great to watch his freelance career take off in the past few years. We started off the interview with me asking, when did you begin your freelance career?
1: So your freelancing career really begins, I think, when when you're a student, because you're making an impression on your teachers that you are uh, really interested in music and a responsible person. And then also you're making an impact or an impression on your colleagues that you are someone that they would want to work with uh, because you're, you know, not only are you a great musician, but you're also fun to be around and you you make the vibe of the whatever gig you're playing better. Um, so it started for me, I'd say probably like junior year at UCLA, just getting little things here and there. Never anything consistent, um, and never anything big, but but little things here and there. And then that carried on to uh, while at Northwestern, same similar thing. People who had graduated and left town had they still had kind of had their name higher up on different people's lists for subbing and for, you know, gigs and stuff. And so I think I, I got asked to play with the Kenosha symphony on like, shoot, I don't remember what the first concert was. I think it might've been like Berlioz symphony Fantastique or something. And a friend of mine, um, had left town and, and the Kenosha symphony didn't have a full section. So I got recommended to do it. And Kenosha is just over the border in Wisconsin, just North of Illinois, um, just over the border of the Illinois-Wisconsin uh, line. And okay. uh, so it takes like maybe 45 minutes to an hour to get there from Evanston. And um, so that was the beginning for me in the Midwest, subbing in an orchestra. And then uh, most of my freelance work in Chicago, when, or while living in the Midwest, um, actually was done in Iowa. I uh, About a year after I graduated from Northwestern, I won my first Job in a regional orchestra in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, called Orchestra Iowa. And I had been subbing there a little bit for the previous year. And I got onto their sub list by, who would have thunk it, by taking a sub list audition. <laughs> we, uh, I went out to like a summer festival in Banff or something, or backpacking or doing something fun in the summer. And, and while driving home, we, we landed in. Uh, in Iowa City, on the day that Orchestra Iowa was having their sublist audition, tonight, and I auditioned, and they started to call me. So I think that that would, uh, that's probably actually the best place to start is um, when you're starting freelancing, you really have to just get your name out there by going to play for people, um, for principles of your instruments, or by emailing personnel managers to figure out if they're having sublist auditions, and if they're not. Who can you play for and so that you can be considered? Um, but it all starts by just taking action and getting to meet some people and getting to play for some people. And and then if and when they call you, doing a good job.
0: I'm always curious what the right protocol is when reaching out to people to play for them with the hopes of getting work from them. I asked Will how he has approached this scenario in the past.
1: So I like to take it from a perspective that like this person in the orchestra regardless of if I think they're an amazing player or not, they are in a position uh, they're you know playing principal in this, in this orchestra probably for a little bit of time. they're in a position of, of experience. like there's something that they have experienced or that they've learned that I don't know, probably a lot of things. And so I typically try to go into that exchange with the idea that I'm going to try to learn something. So I, I go in like it's a lesson. Um, or and not only a lesson, I kind of try to approach it like it's an audition. So whether that'd be like taking in some audition excerpts or taking in a solo or really whatever some, you want to work on. Um, I like to play, maybe start with something that I'm good at and then progress to things that I'm, uh, not as good at, but I like to do both, you know, so show them something that I, I feel good about and then show them something that I really have a lot of room for improvement on. And, um, you can tell them up front if you want that you're looking for gigs, but I don't know that that really helps. I think just going in as like a curious musician that's trying to learn tells them all they need to know about you. And if, they, uh, if they're looking for people, like as long as you make them aware that you're local and that you're available, then they'll immediately consider you as somebody um, that would be worth hiring. And if you play great, uh, then they won't be able to help themselves. You know, you'll definitely get onto a sublist or or just in their minds, in the rotation, if, if somebody calls out sick or whatnot. So a good example of this was uh, I played for the principal of the Elgin Symphony, Reed Capshaw. He's a really established trombone player in Chicago who um, I reached out to him, asked if I could come play for him. And I got there and, and he goes, said he to me straight up. He's like, Will, I know why you're here. I know you want to try to get some gigs. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed. And I was like, well, yeah, of course, I'd love some gigs, Reed, but, like, you could, I mean, you're you are a great player. You're definitely going to have things to coach me on. And uh, turns out, he did. I, I, I don't remember exactly what I played for him, but he explained the concept of, like, sustaining, uh, or, well, Mulcahy at, at Chicago, he would always say, like, we have to play with a sustained, you know, uh, supported sound. And I've heard people say sustained and supported, and Reed Cashow was the first person that put it in words that actually made sense to me. And he said, uh, try to lean forward with your air. And as Mm -hmm. soon as I started thinking about that, my playing got way better. And that came from a lesson where I was definitely seeking gigs, but, uh, just being there with an open mind and trying to soak up whatever, you know, Reed could teach me, I got a really, really valuable nugget. So that's how I would go into it. Yeah. That's cool musician
0: next I asked Will what ensembles he is currently playing with
1: regarding uh, where I play now so in 2017, I moved back home to Walnut Creek, California from Chicago. I had lived in Chicago for five or seven years. I went two years in school and five years after and, and played in. and done some, started my freelancing there, which was really mostly just a balance of playing and teaching. And uh, when I moved back, I, I planned to um, just try to work my way in using my old ties at home into some teaching, and then slowly uh, get onto some su- local sublists by taking sublist auditions and playing for people. And um, stuff went really fast, way faster than I ever expected, and uh, really just better than I ever expected. Um, there happened to be an audition for a Monterey Symphony just a few months after I moved, so I had a really clear purpose and a goal when I was moving home. That I was like, I'm gonna get ready and I'm gonna win this audition. And I was able to use that audition as a way to share my playing and make connections with a bunch of people in the area, which then had a huge trickle-down effect later. So while preparing for Moderate Symphony, I played for some top freelancers in the area that played in more of the regional orchestras like Oakland and Santa Rosa and Berkeley and Modesto and San Jose orchestras. And then I also played for Principal Trombone in the San Francisco Ballet and... Uh, principal trombone in the San Diego symphony when I was in San Diego for an audition and all of these people helped me get ready for the audition. And, uh, when I went and won, I was able to go back and call those people that helped me and say, Hey, thanks so much for your help. I ended up winning. And then word really spread quickly. And so then when I would, you know, show up to a gig or whatnot or, or meet a new person, a lot of the times, they would say like, hi, my name's Will. And they go, oh, did you just win Monterey? And so with that kind of feather in the cap, it really helped um, the freelancing pick up uh, a lot quicker than I was expecting or, and really honestly than I could have ever dreamed of yeah, yeah. Um, in California. So it really paid off to prepare for that audition. Having that audition coming up made it so easy for me to reach out to local freelancers and local full-time job holders to ask for help. I think that's a really great way to make connections in the music world. Um, It's not only by sending them uh, a resume and a recording and saying like, hey, I'm so good, you should hire me. But if you flip it, you go the opposite way and you reach out and say, hey, I'm an aspiring musician and I need some help on something. Can you help me prepare for this? You know, I'm I'm getting ready for this recital, for this audition, for this whatever. Can I play my excerpts for you or can I talk to you about – how you prepare whenever you give someone a chance to help you they tend to uh, not only want to help but then they also feel a little bit more invested in your success and they they kind of get on your team uh, per se yeah to help you uh, continue to to progress so that's really been um, how I've built everything in California so far basically how I built myself when I was in in Chicago as well reaching out to orchestras to play or trying to win auditions and then and then getting some teaching to support it in the background. So, a fairly regular sub in the other regional groups around the Bay Area, so that would be like Santa Rosa and Oakland and Berkeley and California Symphony, Symphony Silicon Valley, and I've had a few chances to play with with San Francisco Symphony, which was really amazing and, and so much fun. Um, and then I've been playing very frequently now with San Diego Symphony because their bass trombonist bonus has been out sick for a long time and hasn't been able to play. So they've, they've needed subs regularly. And, and after a, a handful of times coming down to play, um, I've kind of worked my way up the list. And so I get to play down here more frequently, which has been amazing. Um, every time I'm in a, a full-time group that is playing together weekly, I just learned so much about, um, what you have to do to to really contribute to a group that is a high level. So it helps helps a ton.
0: I asked him here if he felt like being friendly and being nice were equally as important as to how you play at any particular gig.
1: So it's a mixture of things. Well, I think every, we gotta start by saying, if you wanna play music, if you wanna do that for, as your career, you have to play great. There's no shortage of instrument operators like maybe there used to be earlier in like the early 1900s where the where information spread really slowly. Now there's great players and great teachers everywhere. So you can go to a small school or you may live in a small town and there can be a fantastic musician there to to learn from. So there's no shortage anymore. So what that really means is not only do you have to play great, but there's really a zero tolerance policy for being a jerk. In any situation, because even if you play great, if you're a jerk and you ruin somebody's day at work, why would they want to call you back? You know, why, when they could just go down their list and call one of the other, however many jillion people uh, play your instrument. So um, it's really important, obviously, to play great. And that's going to come from, you know, just focused practice and doing all the things that your teachers have told you to make a good student. It's, there's no mystery. You know, you practice your fundamentals. You prepare your music for rehearsals and gigs. You show up on time. You listen to recordings so you know what's going on. But also, I think what's really important and what has maybe has set me apart a little bit is I challenge myself to be the best listener on the stage the person that's going to adapt the fastest in a rehearsal or between rehearsals because I'm paying attention as much as I possibly can.
0: Yeah, interesting. The, uh,
1: yeah, it's my job as a sub to come in and support the, the musical decisions of the principal trombone and the principal trumpet and the whole orchestra, and then also not only support, but then, like, amplify those decisions. And so I'm trying to play, the, play my role as best I can, and I think it always comes from, like, whenever I do it's the best, It always comes from listening. And I had a few principal players, um, actually, including Jay uh, in Alabama, said uh, specifically to me, "Is like, you know, so many people come out of school and they're so focused forward. They can play their excerpts. They can project their sound. But they're really lacking in their awareness side to side and, and blending and matching and coexisting with other musicians. And he complimented me that I was doing a good job of that. And that kind of made me stick out. So I think that that's a huge thing for any uh, any musician and especially freelancers to just challenge yourself to be the best listener on stage. Another thing that really helps as a freelancer and also just so musicians are, especially as you ascend to higher and higher levels, we get good because we are very harsh critics. We listen back to our performances and we judge them very critically so that we can decide what we like and what we don't like so we can progress and try to do more of what we like. And it's really important to cultivate a healthy mindset. Otherwise, it's very easy to just only nitpick and only see the negatives about what we're doing and and get into really negative mindsets that impact not only how we play, um, and if we're looking forward to playing our instrument or not, but also how we interact with other people that we're making music with. And so I think it's really important to to try to be positive and try to see the positives in what we're doing. We're doing a really special thing of, of making music with other musicians and sharing it with people, and it can have, when done right, a, a very profound effect on a listener and also on, on the other performers. And like I said, it's really a special thing. It's, it's fairly abstract, you know, playing trombone and trumpet. We're blowing air in the tube and making it into sounds and then putting those sounds together in an organized way to cause an emotional response. And so it's fairly abstract. And because of that, it's really cool. I, it's You know, we study our whole lives to be great at our instrument and to understand uh, the these masterworks that these composers have written so that we can then uh, recreate them and present them to a, an audience and, and make a change. It's a really special and, and specialized thing. And it's it crosses language boundaries. It crosses societal boundaries that might be popping up. And it doesn't matter if you've studied music or not, you can still be affected by it. So it's a really special thing that I'm very grateful to do every day. And I try to bring that attitude to work so yeah, that positivity is key. Otherwise, everyone would quit after a fairly short time, you know?
0: Yeah. We got
1: to gotta stay positive and, and find the things that we love to do uh, inside of it and then and be grateful for it.
0: For those that don't know, Will is very active on social media. Social media can be pretty intimidating to use to promote for your brand, so I thought we should spend some time talking about how he got started using social media and to talk about how he tries to incorporate it as a tool to help get his product out there.
1: I use Facebook and Instagram and Twitter to and YouTube and a website to kind of promote all the stuff that I'm doing now. Um... And it's slowly grown into that. Like I said, I started a Facebook artist page a handful of years ago simply to use it as a place to get my, so I could be sharing my music stuff with people who subscribe to the page without just spamming all of my my normal friends on Facebook so that they didn't have to see, you know, every single concert I was playing and whatnot unless they wanted to. So that was the beginning of the Facebook artist page. And then my Instagram page has slowly evolved from, you know, sharing pictures of a trip from uh, moving from uh, Los Angeles to Chicago with my wife. It started with, like that, and there still are little elements of just my daily stuff, like, you know, me working out or eating a giant meal or whatever it is. There's still little snippets of that, but uh, Instagram has also grown into a little bit more of like a, a business promotional tool as a Twitter and I didn't get a whole lot of attention on any of the platforms, honestly. Uh, I was just kind of keeping them up for a, a viewer that I imagined to be like my grandma. So Instagram, I would post a picture of like the music I was playing that week or maybe something I was practicing or, or some food I was eating in Cedar Rapids, thinking that my grandma would log on and see it and be like, oh, Will's is having fun again, you know, like very cool, whatever, you know, so that she could just kind of keep track. And it was it was almost like a little... Like a just a memory book, essentially, uh, like a digital memory book. And it wasn't a big deal. Still isn't a big deal. But I started to get some chances to sub in full time orchestras in Alabama with you. And then also, like uh, in the fall of 2017, I got to play with Detroit for five weeks. Yeah. And I started sharing pictures of, of those on stage pictures. And all of a sudden, my followership on both Facebook and Instagram. Really started to elite people from other countries, trombonists, a lot of people I had never met before. And it really makes sense. You know, like, I imagine, I mean, okay, I am not Tom Brady by any means, but I imagine Tom Brady's got a, a bajillion followers on whatever social media he wants to be on. And it's not because he's friends with them, it's because he's elite. And so people are interested in, like, what those elite people are doing. And so I, this is my first taste of, of, like, the big leagues. And the world looked around and said, oh, wow, like this guy, I, I should consider this guy a little higher level than maybe I did. And I should maybe listen to listen to what he's got to say. It might be something important. You know, he's playing in the big leagues.
0: Yeah, yeah. So
1: the attention started there. And then I just have done whatever I can to try to keep doing fun things after that. So I won my audition in Monterey. And then while I was actually in Detroit, I was editing the sound and the video for a concerto that I commissioned and recorded, um, Robert Based bass trombone concerto. And so then like in the spring, after my Detroit stuff, I, I was able to release like a full concerto performance, which was huge. That also really helped get a lot more followership and it makes sense. You know, I put a lot of time and effort and honestly money into paying an excellent sound person, uh, Sean Keenan and an excellent videographer to put everything together for me. Um, so I put a lot of work into that. And, of course, you know, something that's high quality is going to get noticed. Uh, and so that was, again, like kind of building the attention. And then in the spring of 2018, while I was um, playing with the uh, Malaysia Philharmonic, I started taking videos of my rehearsals. And in America, you're not allowed to do that. The American Federation of Musicians, the union, has some very strict electronic media agreements. So you can't re- record rehearsals or concerts and uh, share them afterward, which I understand. But in Malaysia, they didn't have that that regulation. So I was recording my rehearsals and sharing fun snippets on my Instagram. And and then also I started um, taking snippets out of my favorite music and writing it out in finale in 12 keys and playing it in 12 keys, like a fundamental exercise and sharing those. And I was having fun playing the fundamental exercises. I think I first started with like Mahler seven. It's like one of my favorite pieces of all time. I remember that. Yeah. And I, yeah, I started with a couple of fun diatonic scale sequences as Mahler writes so many fun, like diatonic and arpeggiated uh, melodies. And so I started with a few of those and I'd share a few and just talk about the musical moment, and, uh, and then had a free download and I did it for a few weeks and then I stopped and a few people who I'd never met before reached out just unsolicited, uh, from around the world saying, Hey, I, I really loved that sequence thing that you were making. Are you going to make another one soon? I, what are you going to do next? You know? And, and as soon as I started getting those emails and those messages, I realized that I was really on to something because I was giving something away for free. And as soon as I stopped, People were telling me that they missed it. You know, Seth Godin is the godfather of marketing these days. Um, if you've never checked out Seth Godin's work, you definitely should. But he talks about uh, making something that is not replaceable. Trying to make make a product or make a provide value that if you were to stop it, stop providing it, stop making it, that people would miss it. So as soon as people started sending me those messages. I knew I was on to something that was worthwhile. And so I continued making those sequences without any specific structure for the rest of 2018. Usually the sequence is based on some of the music I was working on for gigs or uh, occasionally it was just some songs that I liked. And then I decided that in 2019, I was going to be much more structured and formal with my releases of these sequences So I committed to making one per week for the whole year. And uh, the project is called Get Fluent 2019. Um, Get Fluent is what I like to say. If you play something in 12 keys, you're becoming fluent in whatever that phrase is. Yeah. Um, And so the uh, Get Fluent 2019 is the project. And and I'm making one sequence per week all year and just giving them away to anybody and everybody that will download them. And uh, to support this whole thing, I've, I've also created a Patreon account so that people who are really enjoying the sequences or people who want to get more exclusive access to me, whether that is like lessons or feedback on different things or bonus sequences and bonus videos, um, they can support my sequences at like as little as $1 per sequence. So that's like as little as $4 a month. Um, they can support on Patreon and get some more exclusive content and stuff like that. So it's a slow process, but I now have, I think 10 Patreon supporters and I hope that if I keep this up and slowly my people find me and, and appreciate uh, all the, the free sequences that eventually, you know, maybe I'll have a hundred people supporting at a dollar for each one, which would be really amazing. Yeah. So, it's been a long process, but I, I'm really just using social media to kind of amplify this message of uh, that music can be fun and that you can play different styles and that you can play things in 12 keys and, and it's okay to be like a music nerd and be excited about the music you're playing and, and make new stuff. And hopefully as, as I make these sequences and they're fun, people will share them and I will find my people. <laughs> so yeah, that's what it's all about.
0: past few years, I've gotten to know Will pretty well. The thing that really stands out to me is that he is an incredibly genuine and positive guy. Whether he's just trying to create good vibes with the people he's playing with, or he's putting out tons of free and valuable content, he's putting a lot of good energy into the world. I asked what he thought about the idea of you putting out positive energy into the world that you might receive it back ten times over.
1: I mean, in the end, so like the big goal of all this stuff like in making music is to really share something like well it's like a celebration. And so like when I sit down on stage to play, it's a celebration of like this composer's masterwork. I've spent my life studying how to play the instrument and how to work with other musicians and how to interpret the music so that we make this recreation of a this amazing masterwork that then has an effect on the listener. Hopefully a positive effect. And so we are like in the business of like sharing what we do and improving people's lives through like the listener. And then also improving the lives of like the other musicians we collaborate with. So, and then parallel to that too, improving the lives of our students by helping them uh, bypass some of the potholes that we accidentally stepped in uh, as we were learning or and, uh, as we were in our constant state of learning um, and like helping them improve their lives and having more fun playing. So, if I can like, keep that uh, in the center of my mind and like always being thankful for that, then the music that I make will be more powerful and, and better able to connect with people. My teaching will be, uh, will be more helpful and have a greater impact on people. And um, all of that, it just makes, I don't know, I think it makes the world a better place and it makes, it, uh, it makes you a more valuable person to the world when you think about stuff that way. Um, but, and it, it definitely comes back to you more than than what you put out you know what i'm doing taking these like making sequences and playing them tw- in 12 keys like it's really jazz musicians have been doing this forever i'm just a middleman that helps somebody that has never taken something in 12 keys and uh it helps them have like a slightly easier pathway to try it out and see how it helps them uh and then maybe do more of it or maybe not and that's okay but really it's a it's really just about like helping people and trying to make an impact. And I think that, and also I looked around, and I didn't see anyone else doing this. And so I was like, wow, oh, this could be a fun thing. You know, this is the way I practice. It's one of the ways that I really like to practice. And one of the most helpful practice techniques that I've ever come across. And so I want to share it with people and see if it, if it helps them too. And really the the loss has been, has been strong and, and people really have given back more than I expected uh so quickly, you know, there's been a really positive response early on and, and hopefully it keeps on on growing as long as people, as long as I keep making good stuff, you know, eventually the people that care about it will find it and uh, use it and share it and love it and um, and then we'll all be better for it.
0: So, I was planning on ending the interview here and I started telling Will that I'm glad he's someone that I know. I really get the feeling that Will is in my corner. By that, I just mean it means a lot that I know Will wants my good and that he just wants to be a part of however he can help me and others succeed. It's awesome to me that he just wants to be a person that makes the lives of others better, and I think he definitely succeeds in that effort.
1: Well, hey, and honestly, I think you should leave it in because what you just said is a perfect representation of why I work as a freelancer. Perfect representation because they're all true statements, but you feel like I care about you. I do. I care about the stuff you're putting out. I like, I like listening to it. I like reading it. I like hearing your trumpet playing. I like, and I like you as a person. And so that feeling that, uh, that's all genuine and all real. That's as long as you, you, as I truly believe those things and I take, uh, take those things toward like to every gig. And when I meet my new colleagues at a gig, if I actually legitimately care about like what they're saying to me, how they're playing, what's going on in their life. Those things really add up to make uh, to make the music better, you know, to make our, our connection better, to make um, them want to do more uh, projects with me in the future because we then are connected on like a human level more than, you know, which is way beyond, you know, a work level. So um, I think that's a really fair representation of, of maybe why I've gotten some good chances and and, uh, and people have thrown me some some opportunities that maybe they haven't thrown other people. Um, and I think a huge part of it is because I do, I do my best to really care about what's going on in other people's lives and, and not just like fake it, you know what I mean? Right. Just to really go for it and, and care about it.
0: Before we closed, Will wanted to say one last thing about some things he feels are necessary to succeed as a freelancer.
1: A lot of people are like not good at being their own boss. And, you know, it sounds great to, like, not have a 9-to-5 job and just, like, work on your own time. But really, uh, you have to be, like, an entrepreneur and manage your own freelancing like you are a business person. Um, And there's a few elements of it that I want to talk about for just, like, a second. Yeah, dude. And uh, so, like, your freelancing career is always going to be a combination. It's going to be a combination of a few things. You're going to play, so that's going to be gigs and, and practicing and, and stuff like that, you should probably try to make stuff. So you're going to write, whether that is blogs, recordings, books, resources. you got to make something that has not been there before. That's huge. Um, You also probably want to teach because uh, in order to make the future music world better, we need to pass down our lessons learned to the next generation um, so that they can go beyond where we have gone. Um, And then you always want to be trying to learn. So even though you may not feel like you have a nine-to-five job, you should really focus on putting in your 40 hours a week in those areas, playing, writing, teaching, and learning. And it's okay if you don't have a gig that week. So you're playing is less, you know, maybe that's the week that you like, you make some moves and you read a book that helps you your music career, like breaking into the scene by Seth Haynes, a great book about like how to reach out to contractors and churches and other musicians about with your resume and stuff like that. Or, Maybe you're like a fresh graduate from school and you want to read Emilio Guarino's book called Make It, which is all about people that have recently graduated from music school and how to like work on yourself as like a business person, you know, whatever it is, it's going to be a mixture of playing and writing and teaching and learning. And so as long as you're trying to grow in one of those directions all the time, or hopefully all of them a little bit, you're going to be fine over time. The problems arise when you f- we focus like too much on one or if we just like kind of mail it in and just go to gigs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of work around, around that like supports the playing and, uh, that will help you be more well rounded and, and, and help it be easier to survive as a freelancer. If you don't have a ton of gigs one month, you'll have a lot of, uh, other stuff. To, um, to work on so that you're always growing and always getting better and, and being a valuable, a valuable musician and a valuable human. So, yeah, I, I always try to – I do all those things, practicing, listening, rehearsing, concerts, try to write stuff like my sequences, try to teach. There's scheduling, there's studying scores. There's so many different things, and they all go into being a good freelancer. So um, don't be uh, bummed out if you don't have a lot of gigs right now. You can still – progress a lot just by working on each element
0: to me will embodies the type of person that sees life as a journey He's a trombone player, but that's clearly not where it stops His quest to learn as much about himself the world and the people in it is very inspiring to me The people you surround yourself with have a huge impact on the amount of positivity and success that you will have in your life If you don't have someone like Will in your life, I would encourage you to seek out opportunities where you might encounter someone like that, so you can get the support and positivity that will encourage you to be great. I think that's going to be all for this episode. I wanted to thank Will Baker for giving us his time and wisdom to give us ideas to help us learn to cultivate a successful freelance career. If you enjoyed this episode, I would really appreciate it if you would head over to iTunes or whichever platform you listen on and leave a rating or even a review. It helps others find the podcast so they can enjoy it too. I'd also like to thank Brandon Yocum for his work on mastering this episode. And finally, I'd like to thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. We'll see you next time.